On this Pentecost Sunday, we gather together uh, listening to the story from the book of Acts, uh, the birth of the church, really, um, as the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. Uh, and um, they come to see themselves and their call in a new way. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious God, as we approach Scripture, help us to recognize that you are already coming to us opening to us fresh vistas to see, press fresh actions to do and to dare, we ask that we have the courage to listen to what you have to say to us in the midst of these words. May the word, the living word of God, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, listen for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Judah, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Christians and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, it's one of those quirky memories that, that just kind of stuck with me over the years. 
Uh, it was in graduate school, and uh, you know, in this program I was in, we were required to do this outrageous amount of reading. I mean, we were supposed to read uh, at least a book a day. <clears throat> I ran across a classmate in, in the library, and he was reading a book, but it was not from the required reading list. It wasn't even from the suggested reading list. It was from that vague, mildly suggested list. And I, I looked at him strangely and said, given all the other reading we have to do, why are you reading this little known book? And all he said with a raised eyebrow was, chance favors the prepared mind. <laughs> That's all he said. Chance favors the prepared mind. To quote from Louis Pasteur, <clears throat> it occurred to me um, as I reflected on that, that that's something like the story of Pentecost, isn't it? Only we might say the Holy Spirit favors the prepared church. Because, you know, sometimes we treat our religion rather passively. Like if we just say some magical incantation, good things will happen to us. Or that it's all up to God and we don't have to do a thing. But that's not the story of Pentecost. That's not what has been going on. The story in the Bible is far different. It's crucial that we put it in its context. In its context, what it's saying is the resurrection happened. Jesus appeared a number of times to the, to the faithful. And then, uh, as opposed to the Gospel of John, where he rushes the story and says, go to all the world, Luke says, Jesus tells the disciples, stay here in Jerusalem. Stay here until I send my spirit to you. And they do what their Lord asked of them. They stayed right there. They did not go into all the world. They stayed there and they practiced living the kind of life that Jesus had shown them. They, they gathered together for worship. They sang songs of faith. They practiced loving one another and taking care of one another. They pooled their money. You know, you can tell a lot about people through their stewardship. And these people pooled all of their money that was left over so that, so that they could give to anybody who was, need, was, who was in need, so nobody was in need. It's a sacrificial sort of life. You can see that sacrificial life that they're practicing in the midst of all this. They study scripture and they keep on learning. They keep on listening to the apostles' teaching. The apostles are teaching them new things. They're reading the Bible, but then they're letting the Bible read them and help them interpret their lives. They pray together, worship together, eat together, talk together, work together, sing together, celebrate together. They become friends, not because it just happens. They work at creating this sense of community. They work at it. And that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. After they had practiced passionately living this way, that's what I mean. Chance favors a prepared mind and the Holy Spirit favors a prepared people. Because after they had practiced this passionately, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. That's when the world changes for them. 
These committed Christians, committed to community, committed to living face-to-face and loving face-to-face and being with one another, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. And I love how it is described in the Bible. It says that the Spirit came with a, with a loud noise like a tornado and tongues of fire. And I'm seeing in these pyrotechnics something of the, the, the opening of the Rolling Stones concert, but that's another story. There's passion and there's a cacophony and there's, this, there's this, 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 this life that's happening there in the midst of them. Joining together, it's loud, it's powerful, it's noisy, it's vibrant, it's people together. <clears throat> and as they gather together in this way, the Spirit shows up and there they are in the midst of their debating and discussing and laughing and shouting and singing and celebrating and loving, the spirit of power shows up to, keep, to teach them about the dynamic nature of God, the church and the power of the spirit. What does it look like? What does it look like to think about the church in the power of the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> Walter Wink tells a story about a colleague from Nashville, Janet Wolf, Reverend Janet Wolf. She was a pastor in a downtown church. There were a lot of homeless that were around there. They used to hold a midweek Bible study, and it was open to everybody, everybody in the church and anybody on the street. All you had to do was be committed to coming to this and and learning. And and this was a group of people who came uh, came together to, to hold each other and to hold each other accountable for living what they're studying. So they developed this real sense of community. And one night this guy comes in and, and he had been, uh, he's one of those guys who was, uh, had a reputation of being a real bad dude. I mean, this was a guy who, when he walked down the sidewalk, people crossed to walk on the other side. Uh, he came in and he told a story about how his day was. He, he said, last night I spent at the mission. I had no place else to go. So I slept there on the floor and I woke up this morning and someone stole my shoes. They stole my shoes. So I get out my knife. I, I had not given up that part of my life yet. I get out my knife and it's a big knife and people know I've used it before and I might just use it again. I get out my knife and I'm walking around because I mean to get my shoes back. And all of a sudden from the other side of the room, this guy from the Bible study, Jim, he hollers across the room, John! John, remember what we talked about in Bible study? If they take your coat, give them your shirt too. John, put down that knife. He took your shoes, give them your socks. And John says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not giving them my socks. And he keeps walking around with his knife. But Jim keeps hollering, hollering at him from across the room, John, put down that knife. Give him your socks. And John says, finally, I stop. And I look at Jim, and I look around the room, and slowly I fold up my knife and put it in my pocket. 
And I walk to the service center to get some new shoes barefoot. Now I ask you, where was the Holy Spirit active in that story? Surely the Holy Spirit's active in the scripture, the scripture that inspires and calls out beyond itself. Surely the Holy Spirit's there. And the Holy Spirit's there in that guy on the other side of the room who has that scripture in his head and, and, and who not only has that scripture, but who can translate it from coat and shirt to shoes and socks, right? The Holy Spirit's moving there, but the Holy Spirit was also moving in that Bible study. Those people who, who held one another and held one another accountable so much that they touched this life and, and, and helped to transform this troubled mind. And surely the Holy Spirit was moving among that pastor who was, was teaching, and surely the Holy Spirit was moving in the church that had empowered her to, to live that way so she could do those studies and lead the church. The Holy Spirit moves among the people of God as the people of God seek to be faithful together. Seek to be faithful together, and when that happens, the church enters into the world in new ways, and there's a passion that shows up, a connection that's made. When they go out into the world, people understand. They understand. They hear them talking in their language, and it changes lives. So the question becomes for us, are we ready to think about God in new ways? Because I think that's part of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit illuminates our minds to see more, to see the possibilities. Not just what Scripture says, but where Scripture's pointing, the trajectories. It's a risk, a risk of interpretation, a risk of, of, of seeing just how dynamic God is and how the Spirit is moving in the world. And that faith becomes something that is intelligible, not just to the people in the small tent, but people in the large tent, because they make the connection of how people can hear what is going on. Faith has to make sense in real places, in real situations, to real people. That's why this story in Acts names all those different countries. It names all those different countries as a way of saying throughout the whole world, the whole world, this can make sense. But we have to make that translation, that connection, that interpretation. We have to talk in their language so they can understand what we insiders are talking about because otherwise, well, they might just think we're drunk. That's what the story says. They might just think that what we're saying doesn't make any sense. Faith has to make sense in real places, real situations to real people. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to share this faith which truly can change lives and change the world. The Holy Spirit is the, 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 the wind of God set loose upon the earth to, to breathe new life into the world and to provoke thought and to provoke change. God empowering God's people with a love that saves. That's the story. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. The question is, do we want to feel 
the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we can learn from the ancient church what they, what they did to prepare for the Holy Spirit because they really committed themselves to, to living together, to talking together, studying together, praying together, eating together. And, and, and remember, the church itself at those times had all these diverse people. And out of the diversity, it wasn't that they all came to, see, to think the same thing, but they all came to experience the love and, 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 and redemptive grace of God, bringing them together in the midst of their uniquenesses and difference. Do we want to feel the power of the Holy Spirit? I think we do. And that calls us to practice being together, working together, loving together, forgiving together, sharing with each other together. It calls us to practice thinking about God in new ways. That's our call on this Pentecost Sunday, to get ready for the Holy Spirit, to practice being the church together to practice being the church in, in all these, what we might call spiritual disciplines, but really what they are is practicing being that, that loving people of God. And when we do that, then get ready. Get ready for the pyrotechnics. Get ready for the life-changing love. Get ready for the Holy Spirit to set the church on fire with love. Because the Spirit favors the prepared people of God. Amen.